Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Sun West. I don't know how to follow that. Wink. <laughs> that's, that's a good introduction. Best, best I've ever had. It's been about two months uh, since, since I was with you all. And I um, just want to tell you, I'm just a little confused because this isn't the topic I was given. I was, I was given Song of Solomon, uh, A Lover's Journey, but I... I could, I could do something else. I'll, I'll just see what I can. Apparently, we're doing the comparison trap. And while we're comparing, <laughs> Song of Solomon sounds a little more interesting. I'm just saying. But uh, those of you who don't know, don't look it up now. Okay. Um, what I'd actually like to talk to you about today, though, is escaping the comparison trap. Escaping. Because uh, if, if your pastors have done a good job, as you've been walking through this series, you probably understand the comparison trap is bad. Okay, so, so this, this tendency that we have to always be looking at what someone else has, either to make ourselves feel superior, because we have something better, or because we want what they have. And so this is a, this is a trap because the enemy, what he's doing, what Satan's doing, is he's getting us to focus on what we don't have while we lose the joy of what we do have. Right? Hey, I need you to help me today. Hey, right? Okay, thank you. You're like, is it okay? Can we talk? He seems to, okay. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about how to escape the comparison trap and I'm going to make you a promise. I have never made a promise like this. I've probably preached 15 or 1600 times in my life. I have never made a promise this bold in any of my, and it's going to be on uh, the internet. Okay, so that's okay. So I hadn't thought that one through. Here's my promise to you. My promise to you is that if you track with me today, as far as I'm faithful to scripture, that is, I'm going to do my best. If you track with me today, you can walk out of the comparison trap and the stress of that kind of way of life where you're constantly measuring, you know, like, oh, she's got thinner ankles than me. He's got a bigger bicep. You can leave all of that behind and all the stress that creates and step into contentment and joy before I'm done my sermon. That's pretty, I know, and now I've gone on, it's on record. So, and I'm not saying permanently, but I'm just saying, I'm going to show you, I'm just going to show you, because that's on you, quite frankly. I can't help what you all do when you leave here. But while we're here, you are going to step out of the comparison trap into joy. Okay, so the first thing I want to do to help you kind of get there and help me get there is say that the only way out of the comparison trap is finding contentment. Makes sense, right? Because if you're living a content life, there's no mo FOMO. You're not like fearing, missing out. You're just kind of content with what you have. And so you're not going to be always looking at what the other person has and what you don't have. And all of that can go away. So the, the only way out of the comparison trap is finding contentment. Which means I, to, in order to keep my promise to you, somehow need to unlock the secret of contentment in half an hour. So... The bad news is, I don't have the secret of contentment. The good news is, the Apostle Paul does in the, in the New Testament. In fact, this is what he said. He, he wrote this letter to the Philippian church, and he said, I have learned, look at this, I have learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. 
Now, these letters were originally circulated to the various churches, and not everyone had a copy. Like, they didn't have it on their phones. Like, you understand that, right? And so, so literally what would happen is someone would clear their throat, <clears throat> and he would go, Paul and Apollo, and they would, they would read the epistle. I can just imagine being in the group that heard this read for the first time, and Paul, you know, the guys are going on all these beautiful arguments and theological points, and then this, this line comes up, I have learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. And then he just keeps going, and I'd be like, hold up, can you, sorry, can we just rewind that? You just said that you found the, the secret. Can we just figure out what that, what, what would that be exactly? Right, because that's pretty huge. Did anyone here feel like you've got, you've, you just nailed it. You just got the secret of contentment. Just nailed it. Okay, good. So then I have something to do here today. <laughs> that's awesome. I have a reason to be here. So, when Paul said this, they must have been going, wait, what? Just like we are. Like, so, so then I'm looking here going, so what is it? What's the secret? How many of you know what the next verse says? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ or through him, which is Christ, who gives me strength. That's not the secret. That's just how you pull off the secret. So he's saying, look, I can do all things through Christ. So it's going to happen through Christ who gives us strength. But what are the things? What are specifically the things that we can do to step into contentment and achieve this secret like Paul apparently had found? So as I was reading this, I'm going, well, like, I really want to know. So, so maybe, so I, I scan to the end of the book. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's there. So then I rewind a little bit. I go back a couple of verses and I found it. I found it. I want to share it with you today. These are verses, some of you, if you grew up in church, you have seen this before, you've heard this before, you've memorized this, probably at camp, something like that. Or, or if you're new to, to this scripture, you should memorize it. Okay, so here it comes. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Look. Always. Remember what he said? Uh-oh, my ear just fell off. Or not my ear, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, remember what he said? <laughs> that would be awkward. <laughs> it's like, anyone a miracle worker? <laughs> Please, I need you. Um, so, so anyways, do you remember what he said? I've learned the secret of being content in what? All circumstances. How many of you have been on a roller coaster before? How many of you enjoy roller coasters? Any hands go down? <laughs> okay, some came up. Okay, so some of you said, no, I haven't been on a roller coaster before, and yes, I enjoy them. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Maybe you enjoy watching people getting on roller coasters. But there's something fun about three minutes of mayhem and fear. Like, I can handle three minutes, right? You get on, and you, you, you thunk, clip in, and you make sure the seatbelt is ready, and you're like, oh, okay. And then it starts. You know, you know, you're getting ready for this thing, and then what happens first? Up, right? It's all up. Up and to the right. And you're going up to the hill, and you're like, whoa. You're cresting the hill, and then you're like, put your hands in the air, Maurice. It's more fun, right? And then you, you, crest, you crest the hill, and then everyone's screaming like little girl, like... Down, down to the to the valley and the all over the place and someone's watching, someone's throwing up, but it's glorious for three minutes. Problem is, we all got on the roller coaster in February 2020, 
<laughs> and it just kept going around. <laughs> it just kept going. And it wasn't an amusement ride. It was our life. Right? We just, just like, well, uh, uh, just like over and over and over again. And after a while, everyone's like this and you know, like back and forth. And no one's got the energy for it anymore. The Apostle Paul says, you know how your life is like a roller coaster? And they'd be like, what's a roller coaster? Never mind. Uh, bad analogy. But you know, you know how life's like a roller coaster? He says, yeah, yeah. My, mine is too. So, so I, don't, I don't have it easier than you. In fact, he had it harder than probably all of, all of them, all of y'all. And, and he said, but here's the thing. My life goes up and down, but my contentment doesn't. My, my, my life goes up and down, but my, my heart doesn't go with it. So then I back up all circumstances, regardless of the circumstances, and this is the secret. Look, rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of your circumstances. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word anxious comes from a root that means to be torn into pieces. How many of you felt like in the last couple of years we've been, we've been torn, we've been pulled and torn to the breaking point, and we feel fragmented? So this passage is really about moving from this fragmented life where we're kind of, again, comparing ourselves and wishing we had and how come I can't and all of this kind of stress and how do I get what I, what I need to the peace of God. Interestingly enough, the peace of God, this word in Greek is Irene. So if that's your name, congratulations. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and so, so your name in Greek, it means tranquility, right? Peace. But the root of the word means to mend what has been torn. So here we have the Apostle Paul saying, you start out with this torn, uh, fragmented life. It's in pieces. But the peace of God, through these sort of activities, through Christ who strengthens me, we come into a place where this transcendent peace puts us back together. We are mended. Okay, how many of you want some of that today? Well, good, because I promised you, <laughs> I promised you that we could make this journey together. So in order for me to keep my promise, we're going to have to do three things. Number one, we're going to have to learn what rejoicing is, because that's the first thing on the list. Second, we're going to have to learn how to do it. And number three, we're going to start doing it before we leave. Otherwise, I can't keep my promise. So you're going to have to participate with me. Notice there are three major uh, verbs in that passage. Rejoice always, and then prayer, and then what? Thanksgiving. Do you know 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Paul uses that same triad in the same order. Pray or rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in what? All circumstances. Why is he repeating it to two different groups of people? Because it's important. So we're going to talk about rejoicing today. I don't have time to do all three. I apologize, but I want to get right into it. So let's learn together, first of all, what rejoicing is. So number one, to rejoice 
means to relish, to celebrate and delight in. And it specifically says in the Lord. So it's God-focused, relishing, celebrating, and delighting in. In other words, there's a sense of enjoy. Look at that, enjoyment. That God wants to be part of our everyday life, every moment that we're living our lives. Now, here's the, here's the real heart of it. Rejoicing is the habit of re-infusing something with joy. This was a big one for me. Now, there's a lot packed into that one statement. Um, if I decide to renew my subscription to something, what am I doing? I'm restoring, I'm, I'm rebooting that, res- like that, that prescription or that... that uh, yeah, I forgot what the word was. That thing that I was renewing, I was doing that, renewing. I was renewing, making it new again, right? If I'm remaining, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay somewhere still again. I'm going to continue. The word re means again. So to rejoice means to rejoy, to re-infuse joy into everything all the time. Is, is what we're commanded to do. It's a habit. How do I know that? Well, Apostle Paul says, do it all the time. So that, that would imply that it's a habit. Why do I have to do it all the time? Because joy leaks. Right? How many of you have experienced this where you just feel like you're on the top of the world? It's the greatest thing ever. Just like tears of joy. And then like the next day, you're, you're just down. It's the roller coaster. We're down in the dumps. You're like, where did it go? Joy leaks. In fact, the, the image here is that it's constantly leaking. And so you, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit through Christ who strengthens us to re-infuse everything about our lives with joy. That's huge. Huge. Number three. I love this one. Rejoicing is most affective, it has the most impact when it's expressive. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. Remember, to go to proclaim the kingdom? You're like, I thought there were 12. Well, each one of them apparently recruited six people. <laughs> so they're multiplying, uh, unlike most churches. So they're... they're um, Boy, that's quiet. Okay, um, so, 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 so he's got 72 people, uh, these disciples, right? And what does he tell them? He's like, okay, guys, why don't you go out? I'm giving you authority. So go out, proclaim that the kingdom of God is near and heal the sick and raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, just like pats them on the butt, says, go, go nuts, go, go nuts. So they go in pairs, and they go do their thing. What I, this is one of the moments in scripture I would love to see more than anything else because it says the disciples returned with joy. And in translation, they were like, it was amazing. They're like, okay, 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 Peter, tell the story about that. Okay, yeah, okay. So we get in this village and this guy's like, like the demon possessed, you know, and he's here like in the name of Jesus. And then, and he came out of them. They're doing all the sound effects and everything. And then Andrew's like, okay, 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 okay. But remember that kid? He had no ears, right? And then, and then you prayed for him and they're like, the ears grew. I almost passed out and I almost dropped the kid. Thank goodness I didn't. And they're just going on and on and on like this. It says they returned with joy. What are they doing? They're expressing their joy. What's, what's the effect on Jesus? It says, Jesus. Now, this is how we would read it in a lot of traditional churches. Jesus, filled with joy, 
in the Holy Spirit, said unto them. The problem is, that phrase, filled with joy, means to exult. It means to leap for joy and spin around in circles and dance. So, so they come back and they're like, it was crazy. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And then, and he's listening to their stories, jumping up and down. He's spinning it. Can you picture Jesus doing this? I hope you can, because he's so excited about what's going on and what happened in their lives. And of course, he redirects it, makes sure that you are anchored in who you are in Christ, what he's accomplished for you, all that stuff, right? But it's expressive. What happened? Their joy splashed on Jesus, and then he got into it, expressed his joy. Why? Because joy is most affective when it's expressive. In fact, how many of you are feeling a little bit of my joy right now? Like, this is real. This is real, okay? Now, here's, here's the fourth one before I get into um, what I'm going to talk about today, which is the how. And that is that there, this is hard. There is always something to relish, celebrate, or delight in. I bet you anything, some of you are going, mm, nope. <laughs> now, the reason I'm standing on that is because this is the definition of rejoicing and we're supposed to do it always, which means Jesus is saying, through my strength in you, there's always something you can find to hang on to, to rejoice in. But I also want you to know where this is coming from in my life. This does not come easy for me to say. Let me just walk you through my 2022. 2020 was fantastic for me. 2022. So January, both my wife and I got COVID, probably Delta because it took us out. Either that or we're super weak. I don't know. We almost got eliminated. Uh, not quite, not really. But it was, it was tough. It was, it was nasty. Uh, February... Our puppy died, the, the, the dog that had grown up with all of our kids. March, Manifest Church, the church that I planted with my wife, eight years prior and had slogged through, prayed through, cried through, closed its doors forever. And then I realized that I had been uh, saddled with a debilitating burnout. So I, I went from kind of high functioning to absolute crash. Uh, April, I got pneumonia and had a, a violent pleurisy attack that landed me in the hospital. We ended up selling our home, downsizing, because, partly because God knew what was going on and also because we realized we, we better downsize now that I don't have a job. And so um, we couldn't find a house to, to live in. So all of May, we stayed in two different places house-sitting. So that was the Lord's provision, but it was tough with our stuff in a container. June... My dad fell and hit his head and passed away a couple of days later. July, we were in a car accident involving a semi-truck, and we were spared uh, any kind of injury, but it was, it was terrifying. August was kind of cool. We actually bought a puppy. So that was, that was nice, although we're potty training, so never mind. That was bad. Um, then, then September, my dearest friend here in, in Calgary passed away from a long bout with cancer. And just a couple of days ago in October, my wife broke her ankle. So I'm not saying that so that you feel sorry for me. I'm saying that because this, what I'm teaching you today, was Jesus handing me, reaching out to me with a life raft. I've taught on this stuff before, and I forgot. 
And, and just even weeks ago, I was going through a deep valley where my thoughts were swirling and the enemy was, was, cave, was kind of caving in on me. And I remembered this. Jesus brought this to mind. And I started to, to rejoice and, and look for the things like I'm talking to you about today. I started to, started to rejoice and pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. And, and what happened was Jesus used that to lift me out of where I was. And so what, you're, what I'm saying when I say there's something always to relish, celebrate, or delight in, I want to tell you, even at my dad's bedside, as his life was fading, there was joy to be found. And I clung to it because it was part of the grace of God in that moment. So, got to move on. Got to move on. This is real. The, the enemy wants to take you out. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus wants to reorient your eyes around him through this thing that we call rejoicing. So we, now we know. Now we know what rejoicing is. That it's to delight in. It means to, to relish and celebrate. That there's always something, somewhere, to, to relish, or celebrate, or delight in. That, that it's an action. It's actually establishing a habit of re-infusing our lives with joy because joy leaks. Okay. Now we're going to learn how to do it, and yes, like a boss, because um, I just kind of like that. And, and then we're going to start doing it before we leave. So I'm going to talk about three places now, scripturally speaking, that you and I can find joy to deploy into our struggles and into our circumstances. Because if I'm supposed to re-infuse things with joy, the question then becomes, where do I get it if I'm struggling? So here's the first one. Number one, reliving precious memories. How many of you know that a precious memory, a good memory where you experience joy, that's joy in the bank that you can make withdrawals from without diminishing it? Now, here's the thing that the enemies tried to do with me because I've had so much loss. So in the beginning, when I would recall precious memories, I would immediately be smitten by sorrow because that thing that I am now remembering is gone. How many of you have ever experienced that? So instead of remembering your dad, let's say my dad, and feeling a swell of joy, I feel a pang of sadness because my dad's not here. What's happening in that moment is a part of the normal cycle of grief and the enemy is coming in and stealing the joy latent in that memory. So what God wants is he wants me in the, in the wake of losing my dad, he wants me to be able to go back into those precious memories and relive them and feel the joy. The enemy's like, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to remind you that that's no longer true. I'm going to steal the joy from that thing that already happened. It should be secure. So I refuse to let the devil take the joy out of the good things God's already done in my life. Can I get an amen here? Okay. So, so when I, what I'm, it's just, this is a discipline. You would be shocked. Now, as you know this, when you recall something that you've, you've lost since, you'll be shocked at how often the enemy comes in and tries to steal it. Don't let him do it. You can grieve separately, but when you remember this, that's meant to infuse you with joy. Now, look at what David does in this passage in Psalm 42. Look how, look where he starts. King David in the, in the Old Testament, he says, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? This is 
a hard time. Now look at him. He says like, but, right? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. What's he doing? He's like closing his eyes going, this may suck right now. Oh, but I remember. I remember the feeling. Do you ever, you ever gone to like a Flames game and you're converging on the arena downtown and all these people are walking and you have this sense of excitement building and people are chattering and they're already drinking and they're like just, it's like this, this beautiful thing is building, this sense of anticipation because I remember that. And that wasn't just a hockey game. That was converging on the temple for worship and experience of God. And you can tell as he's doing this, it's lifting his spirits. How many of his psalms, his journal entries, start with despair and end with glory because of what he does with his thoughts before the Lord? So what, what I want to remind you of today is that good memories actually hold joy that can be imported into the present moment. It's one of the reasons why you can remember things. It's one of the reasons why in the scriptures, one of the most common commands is to remember, remember, remember what God has done. Why? It's in the bank. It's done. You can go back there and like, listen, listen, it's so beautiful. You can go back there with a smile and you can actually start to feel what you felt in that moment because your brain has trouble distinguishing between a memory and an experience. Because it doesn't know, it's living on the inside. Your mind knows, but your brain doesn't. So it starts to release dopamine and all those things that we crave as you do this. Now, we're going to try it in this moment. We're going to do this. We're going to close our eyes, and we're going to relive a moment that gave you great joy. So before you close your eyes, and just please humor me, don't be that one going, I ain't need no joy. Don't do that. Just, Just work with me, okay? Just work with me on this. And, and this isn't magic. We're going to do prayer, not magic, okay? But just close your eyes and think of a moment that was precious to you that gave you great joy. Just do that right now. Could have been the birth of your first child. It could have been your first kiss or hitting a home run. It doesn't matter. Try to recall it as much as possible. What did you, what did you hear? What did you see? What was your emotion? Now turn it to Jesus. Thank him. Thank him for that moment. Thank him and relish it. Feel the power of it. All right. Come back and look at me. How many of you, at least in this moment, are feeling content? Raise your hand. Maybe even joyful. We're already there. We've got two more to go. These are real things that you can do on a day-to-day basis. So here's the second one. Here's the second one. You know this one. Relish little blessings. This is, pra- this is a thanksgiving verse. Like, look at this. In the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything. That means rejoice, review, re-infuse this with joy in everything you've put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. Some of you have already done this this weekend. You've sat around the table and you've said, this is good. And you felt this, this swell of joy with you and, and the little thing, and oh, <laughs> she burned the turkey again. 
so good. Right? Or whatever it is, you just get these little moments. And instead of focusing on who isn't at the table and how it's not the same as last year, which is, again, the enemy leading you astray, focus on what you have and relish it. Thank God for these little blessings. Now, you might be in a place in your life where it's, it's just not great. There aren't many blessings to relish. And, and I get that. We're going to take a minute to, to practice this in a second. But I've been in churches where the chairs were brutal to sit in. These ones are actually pretty comfortable. These are pretty decent. So you could actually, if you have nothing else, you can go, well, my chair is comfortable. And you could relish that. You could say, you know what? There's a pointy-headed dude on stage, and he's making me smile today. Relish that. Thank God. I'm serious. Sometimes it takes work to find the little things to, to celebrate. So let's do that. I don't know what's going on in your life. But take a minute to think about something in your life that you can relish that is currently occurring. It doesn't have to be at this very moment. But let's say like in this week, in this season, maybe you've been finding it wonderful at work. Or or finally you've come back together as a couple. Or I don't know what it is. It could be something really small. There's a guy that likes you. I don't know what it is. But just relish the little thing. Let's do that. Close your eyes. Could be the pie you ate. (laughs) Just, or you're going to eat. Hmm. Again, direct that to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for these little blessings. We relish that. Help us to feel the joy in it. In Jesus' name. Again, how many of you are feeling some contentment right now? Some joy right now? These are powerful tools, even though they're so basic. Look, if you forget almost everything else I say, remember this. True contentment is wanting what you have. And then relishing that. That's the key. I could focus so clearly on everything I've lost in the last six months. That's a recipe for despair. It's not like I ignore it. I'm processing my issues. But on a day-to-day basis, I've actually gone through and listed by month what, what God did, some beautiful things in the midst of all that loss that's happening. But I've saved the best for last. And the most important one by la- for last. Because what if, what if it's hard? What if you, you just don't want to celebrate the chair you're sitting on? What if you can't find little blessings to relish? What if you can't even think of, or you, Satan's clouded those precious memories and you can't find joy to deploy anywhere? Where do you turn? This is the crux of it. We review gospel reality. We review God. I didn't just say truth. I said reality. By the way, that's a synonym in in Greek. Truth means reality. It's not some preposition somewhere. It's reality. And look at what David does. Again, David shows us the way. Probably the most self-aware Old Testament saint like that you could ever imagine. Look at this. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. What is David doing? Who's he talking to? 
his soul. Why? Because deep inside of him, he wants to trust God, he wants to worship Jesus, but his soul is all turned upside down. His emotions are ragged. He's feeling torn in pieces. And so he takes the part of him that gets it, and he preaches to the part of him that doesn't. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's what he's doing, which Jesus affirmed, by the way. He's preaching. He's like, hey, soul. That, hey, you, part of me that is struggling right now, something you got to know. You, you don't forget all his benefits. Look at this. Oh, this is so good. I'm going to just take a drink first. I don't even know how I'm going to last two services. Okay, look at this. It's like this crescendo. Look at this. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He could have kept going and going and going and going. Hey, soul, remember what God has done for you. Remember what he's doing for you. Remember what he will do for you, soul, and get with the program. (laughs) It's essentially what he's doing. He's preaching to himself. How many of you know, look, the best sermon you will ever hear is never going to come from my lips or Pastor Matt or Pastor Dave or anybody else. It's going to be you at your bathroom mirror looking yourself in the eye and saying, hey, you, soul, you remember what Jesus has done for you. And you preach the gospel to yourself. Because if all you're doing is waiting for someone to preach to you, the enemy's going to know that and he's going to take advantage of it. But if you preach the gospel to yourself... See, because God's God, the gospel of Jesus is God's answer for our past and present and future. And you can take what he has done, and that should infuse you with joy. And so you can take that joy and you can use it to re-infuse everything in your life that needs it. This is the most important part of what I'm going to say today. Now, we're going to do this, we're going to do it again. So what I need you to do is stand with me. And uh, if you're not a believer in Jesus, I want to say this. You don't have to say this. Don't pretend. But I want you to hear it. I want you to hear the power of this. You may not even understand all the theological words. That's okay. The, the, what I want you to get is the, feel the force of this. What this could do for you if it were true. And for those of you who are believers, this is truth. Now, I've got to warn you. We're going to do kind of a... I want you to read aloud with me. I ain't going to wait for you. I'm going to steamroll you. I'm going to read this like a preacher. So you're going to do it with me, okay? So if you get behind, just laugh and roll your eyes and then try to catch up. Because I'm going. All right? Uh, All right. Number one. Christ gave me the credit for his perfect sinless life. Calling me righteous, independent of my own failures and behavior. I am forever validated, approved, and free from condemnation. Can I get an amen? Amen. God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die in my place and pay for my sins so I could be forgiven and free, reunited with the Father, forever loved and accepted with open arms. Can I get an amen? Amen. Should be getting louder. Christ rose from the dead, defeating all my greatest enemies at one time. The powers of sin and death and the devil. I have risen with him, resurrected eternally, seated with him in the heavenly places in a position of authority and graced with his victory as if it were my own. And the people said... 
And Jesus had poured out his Holy Spirit on me and within me, baptizing me into a new kind of existence with a new identity, a new power, a new family, on a new mission with maximum purpose. And Christ has gone to prepare a place for me in glory so I am eternally secure by his perfect work on my behalf. All of God's promises are yes and amen so I can totally trust him to guard what I've entrusted to him and multiply it endlessly for all eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. And are you feeling some joy here today? Are you feeling contentment? This is not a hype job. This is doing what the scriptures command us to do. This does not mean you will never have a hard time. This doesn't mean your life will go better. The roller coaster may continue, but we've now seen how to decouple our contentment from our circumstances. You know now what rejoicing is. You can have a seat. You know how to do it like a boss. You've just been doing it. Now it's time to continue. Time to continue. And the worship team could probably start making their way up here. Um, as I reviewed this for myself, I want you to know that I, I have actually preached this whole thing. So I've actually done the, the rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a triad. It's supposed to stick together. They, they flow. Because I give thanks, which causes me joy, and then I rejoice, and then I talk to God about something else with thanksgiving, and then it, it just keeps going. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. So um, if you would like to get today's notes and keep your momentum going um, by completing the, the next two, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances, um, then I would encourage you to get out your phone right now and just scan that QR code. And uh, you'll just uh, go through a very short process. It'll take you to my website, basically, so you can do it later if you want. And then you can download that PDF for free. I would love, I created it just for this, for you guys. So enjoy that on me. Um, let me just quickly pray. Jesus, we bless you and we love you. Some of us are going through so hard uh, circumstances, things that are just crippling and, and discouragement. But you have given us a lifeline here. Not to do this in our own strength or as some mental exercise, but uh, through Christ who strengthens us, we can do all things. These are the things we want to get better at. Help us learn to rejoice even today as we give you thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for this day called Thanksgiving. You do speak a better word in our lives. You're rewriting our histories. So help us, Lord, to give thanks in all circumstances. Help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to reach back into those memories that you've redeemed and you've used to strengthen us, to encourage us, to remind us that you are good no matter what. So, Lord, I pray that as we go from here into the week, that we would truly give thanks. Thank you for everything that you are. Thank you for all that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, as you go from this place, just know that uh, we have prayer teams here for you, not just to pray for concerns, but also pray for praises in your life. So please do take advantage of that. They'd be very uh, welcoming to, to pray with you. And as you enjoy your Thanksgiving meals, 
give thanks to the one who has made it all possible in Jesus' name. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.